Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda White, Director of Institutional Content at Connexus Financial, and this is Market Narratives. This show is a series of unorthodox conversations with thought leaders influencing the world of fiduciary investors. For more related insights and analysis, please remember to visit investmentmagazine.com.au and subscribe for a free email. And with that, please enjoy this episode. I'm joined today by Hirsch Parikh, who is Principal in the Institutional Advisory and Solutions Group at PGM, the global investment management business of Prudential Financial. Dr. Parikh heads the Real Assets Research Program and is also responsible for index-based solutions research. The IAS team conducts bespoke quantitative client research that focuses on strategic asset allocation and portfolio and asset class analysis across both public and private markets. Welcome to you, Hirsch. How are things for you? Uh, thank you for having me, Amanda. Things are fine. Uh, a nice uh, day today at New York. Excellent. So in the current economic environment, there's a lot of discussion around inflation at the moment. And in fact, at our global event earlier in the year, institutional investors from around the world rated it as the number one risk to their portfolios. So today we're going to discuss the macroeconomic environment, including looking uh, at inflation and the role of real assets in those different environments. Harsh, in your role at PGM within the Advisory and Solutions Group, you work with investors on strategic issues, as I outlined earlier. Is this conversation around inflation coming up more regularly at the moment? And what are investors particularly worried about from the conversations that you're having? Can you outline your view of inflation, the outlook, and kind of what investors are are, are wanting from you at the moment in this conversation? Yeah. So, to us, inflation is definitely on our investors' minds. And yes, some are really worried about it. In a recent webinar on inflation and real assets investing that we hosted with uh, real asset portfolio managers from PGMQMA, which is one of our investment managers, we discussed that their baseline inflation expectations has risen now to 2.3% for the next decade, compared to actual inflation of 1.7% for the last decade. And in addition, while some of the more recent inflation prints above 5% uh, due to base effects and supply disruptions like semiconductor chips may be transitory, the risk to the upside inflation in range of uh, 3 to 4% over long term has clearly increased. And that is what is worrisome for our investors, and particularly, like, what are the portfolio implications therefrom? So let, let's expand on that a little bit um, in terms of, you know, the implications for portfolios, um, you know, which is what we're really interested in. So in terms of protect, protecting against inflation, there are various ways to do that, but real assets is certainly one way and they play a big role. Are you finding that these conversations are increasing that investors are more interested in their real assets portfolios than perhaps they were previously? I would say yes. Uh, our clients are increasingly interested in real assets. Um, in fact, our research agenda in real assets took shape in the last couple of years after a large uh, public pension plan asked us about role of gold 
and gold-related assets like royalty agreements in their overall portfolio. And more recently, a large institutional investor inquired about comparing farmland and timberland assets with more traditional uh, real estate and how to estimate their long-term expected returns. So yes, we're getting, we, we are definitely getting a lot more inquiries uh, now on real assets. So what does that what does that research agenda look like um, now at the moment, Hirsch? You know, you're you head up that real assets research program, and we'll come in later conversations to the framework yep. that you've set up. But how is your um, research agenda evolving in response to some of these inquiries? Absolutely. So. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, lately farmland, timberland assets uh, are uh, uh, gaining uh, uh, attention, uh, particularly from, uh, I, I might uh, uh, come to it uh, uh, later, uh, is like timberland has uh, opportunity for carbon sequestration and so on. So a lot of uh, dynamics have been changing in uh, some of these asset classes, and that makes our re- research agenda very dynamic, I would say. And uh, sustainability is another topic uh, uh, that comes up. uh, And uh, of course, uh, one of the things we did is uh, last couple of years, the work we did on Rasa, we uh, launched a a tool, a web application called Rasa Interactive, so that this particular research can sit uh, on an institutional investor's uh, desktop and they can work with that and understand the portfolio implications. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment, but I just want to talk a little bit more about uh, the real assets asset class and the evolution of that asset class. You mentioned interest in gold and timberland. Um, it seems like commodities are back in vogue. Yeah, T- talk to us a little bit about the evolution among the asset class, and you you know you mentioned sustainability as well, and um, yeah. you know people are increasingly interested in in how to. Uh, get to net zero portfolios. Can you discuss the evolution in the asset class and, um, you know, perhaps with particular reference to sustainability and some of the things that you're seeing um, within real assets? Yeah. So, uh, Amanda, last year we noticed based on 13F regulatory filings that some institutional investors like public pension funds did allocate to gold and gold miner equity ETFs. Um, in one of our upcoming research paper uh, talking about our agenda, we looked at 15 large U.S. public pension plans to see how their allocations to real assets have varied historically. And overall, allocations to real assets have increased from 10% to 15% on average in past decade. Uh, real estate is still one of the dominant real assets, but average allocations to other real assets like natural resource, infrastructure, and uh, farmland have also risen from 2.5% to 5% in aggregate. Now, clearly, the focus has lately shifted towards sustainability issues uh, with large variability in climate and with eyes set on uh, COP26 in Glasgow this year. And real assets are by no means uh, isolated. Now, this creates uh, challenges and opportunities for investors and uh, separates winners from losers. So to give you an example, in farmland, uh, which farms have irrigation infrastructure or water rights and which do not? 
or the, as I mentioned earlier, the opportunity to sequester carbon and real assets like uh, timberland are large carbon sinks. Uh, and yes, of course, there are challenges around measuring how much additional carbon is sequestered and uh, permanence of it. And in addition, I would say that risk management becomes very important and perhaps even argues for investing in water and carbon futures to mitigate increasing water and uh, carbon prices. To, uh, and again, an example there is the uh, NASDAQ, we use California Water Index. Uh, recently, it was over $900 per acre foot from $500 in the beginning of the year. Uh, interestingly though, uh, this was opposite to the situation in Australia, where with uh, drought breaking rain, water allocation prices dropped considerably this year. Uh, and so I would say for real asset investors, geographic diversification is equally important. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it, how this asset class is evolving? And you know you you mentioned water futures that that didn't exist, you know five, ten years ago. it's a, it, there's a lot of innovation going on. It must be an exciting place for you to be spending your time and and research. Uh, absolutely. Although for water futures, the volume are still low, but uh, we expect it to pick up. And uh, uh, of course, the carbon markets are fairly active. So, Hirsch, you've written extensively about successful investing in real assets, and uh, you know, as part of um, part of that, you, you outline that there are four key elements to success: get the sensitivities right know your investment horizon, incorporate estimation uncertainty, and reflect your economic environment outlook. I really want you to spend some time on this. These, you know, It's rare that you can actually really articulate four key elements of, of success um, in investing. So I want to spend some time on, on each of those um, yeah. four elements and outline specifically what you mean by each of these and why you think they're so important. Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Amanda. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, really uh, an evolution in our research agenda. Um, so the first element is sensitivities, and the sensitivities to inflation and growth differ widely across real assets and their sectors. So there's a great deal of diversity there. So for example, the one-year CPI beta for commodities implies 17% up move for 1% increase in CPI level. Whereas for TIPS, uh, their CPI beta suggests a mere 2% up move for the same 1% increase in the CPI rate. So CIO uh, who may wish to use uh, uh, real assets for aligning with certain in investment objective should pay attention to these sensitivity differences. The second element is uncertainty. The asset sensitivities are inherently uncertain. So uh, going back to the commodity example, uh, while on average the one-year CPI beta is 17, it really ranges from 8 to 14 at 90% confidence interval. Now a CIO desiring inflation protection would likely prefer assets whose inflation sensitivities are more certain compared to an asset whose inflation sensitivities are 
less certain. The third element is the CIO's investment horizon. And asset sensitivity to inflation and growth uh, differs depending on the horizon. In addition, uh, the uncertainty in betas generally increase with the horizon. So again, a CIO may first wish to determine their investment horizon and then use those sensitivities that correspond to that horizon. And the fourth uh, element recognizes that these sensitivities differ in various economic environments. So instead of taking the entire history to estimate sensitivities, a CIO can better estimate sensitivities uh, for the specific environment of concern to them, like stagflation or overheating. And and so what what I mean you mentioned that there's particular sensitivities of individual real assets. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what that looks like with regards to the equity and bond markets and and how it might interact with other parts of the portfolio? Yeah. Uh, so. The inflation stick. With, let's stick with inflation sensitivity, right? So, uh, if you look at uh, U.S. equities, uh, the inflation sensitivities of uh, U.S. equities uh, would suggest uh, uh, for one percent up move in inflation, uh, the equities may underperform by uh, half a percentage point. And uh, in fact, at a longer horizon, at three years, for the same 1% up move, the equities uh, uh, may underperform by five percentage points. And, and going back to our uh, point of concern, when, and when I say 1% up move, really brings the inflation in three to 4% range, as I talked earlier. So you also mentioned earlier, Hirsch, that at, at- uh, in the Institutional Advisory and Solutions Group at PGEM, you've developed what you call a RASA framework, which is the Real Assets Sensitivity Analysis Framework that incorporates all of these things. Can you talk us through how CIOs would use this framework, um, how it is already being used by institutional investors to inform their real assets portfolios and, and what the capabilities yeah. are and how they might be used by investors? Yeah, uh, so RASA is a portfolio construction framework which helps a CIO with the construction of real asset portfolios. And RASA brings together these four elements I discussed uh, uh, when constructing portfolios. Uh, let me give you a concrete example. Uh, and this uh, goes back to an investor who has inflation-linked uh, liabilities. So. Uh, if the inflation were to go up three to four percent, as I mentioned earlier, right? So the equities uh, may underperform uh, by five percentage points over a longer horizon, and at the same time, the liability values are uh, rising. And uh, real assets, which are uh, more broadly uh, sought after for diversification and also for inflation protection is uh, something that uh, investors can, uh, using RASA framework, uh, construct a portfolio depending upon their uh, investment objectives. 
It's such an important conversation at the moment, inflation, isn't it? I don't think I speak to any investors around the world without inflation coming up as 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 an issue. Do you need to be a PGM client to access this framework? Who's using it at the moment? Uh, actually, not. Uh, we are mindful, though, that uh, uh, large institutional investors uh, get an access to this uh, uh, particular tool. And uh, uh, and just, uh, Amanda, to give you an example of how some of the clients are looking at this tool, right? So um, say over, uh, some clients are worried about overheating economic environment, which is uh, where the inflation is high and growth is high. Then what they might uh, look at through the tool would be the assets which would have higher inflation and growth exposures. And that might point to energy commodities, natural resource equities, real estate and REITs, infrastructure equities, and timberland. And uh, some clients might be more worried for stagflation, which is an environment of high inflation and low growth. And they uh, might consider assets like pips, gold, farmland, infrastructure, natural resource, and real estate debt. So depending on an investor's investment objectives and views, their real asset portfolios and benchmarks will be different and often customized. Yeah, that's so interesting. So the the, the inputs as to what their sensitivities are or what they're worried about comes from the asset owner and then the framework kind of helps in the portfolio construction of that. Are you guiding them at all in terms of a view around the outlook for inflation or how do you talk to them about about those inputs? Uh, yeah, so at IS, we are uh, uh, we don't make the views. We let the data speak and the research is uh, very objective and uh, the clients are uh, can provide the inputs uh, where they are coming from and uh, use the portfolio construction tool. And you mentioned the benchmark customization. That seems to be something that's um, you know particularly apt for investors as they all have have different needs and outlooks. Can you explain a little bit more or give us some more examples around that customization that you talked about? Yeah, sure. Uh, so say uh, ra- rather than using off-the-shelf benchmarks like uh, Bloomberg Commodity Index or S&P GSCI, as the benchmarking technology has considerably improved, investors can now create their own bespoke benchmarks for real assets. And again, a concrete example would be a large plan in UK uh, had an allocation to real assets for inflation protection, and they used an off-the-shelf benchmark. And this benchmark uh, had high inflation sensitivity, but it was not well diversified and uh, was concentrated in energy commodities. The other disadvantage of such benchmark is that uh, it is weighted based on annual commodity production, and so its inflation sensitivity could really vary through time. And so we looked at the trade-offs of concentration and inflation protection objective, and using RASA, we recently proposed a commodity benchmark to them, which is relatively more diversified and with similar and consistent inflation sensitivity. 
it's certainly there's certainly a good argument for uh, examining and potentially increasing a real assets portfolio at the moment, Hirsch. But you know we can't sort of talk about this without examining some of the risks as well. What what do you think in terms of you know the the number one or top three risks are in terms of looking at a real assets portfolio that institutional investors should be paying attention to? I, w- I would say the risks, as I would outline, are in some of the uh, the portfolio construction aspects. So align, not aligning the investment objectives and using a broader real asset baskets might not uh, cut it, and they may not be able to meet their investment objectives. Again, aligning their investment horizon uh, uh, at a sh- very short horizon gold may not have a correlation with inflation but at a longer horizon it does so uh, uh, not aligning your horizon could be just as harmful and uh, given that these sensitivities are very different and uncertain so in in your portfolio construction a CR may want to account for this sensitivity differences and as I mentioned earlier about the sustainability and the uh, recent attention to water risk is, and uh, carbon risk, et cetera, is real. So uh, paying attention there as well probably makes sense for an institutional investor. Yeah, it's super interesting, Hirsch. Thank you. Um, you mentioned time horizons a couple of times, but then you know also that this framework you know incorporates all of those four elements you talked about. I'm interested in how dynamic it is or should be, you know, is this something that investors should be looking at in a tactical way or is it a much more long-term sort of set and forget approach to the portfolio construction? Can you talk about the dynamic nature of it? The intent of the tool is not uh, tactical and neither is it set and forget. Uh, uh, The horizon, there's always a data limitation to our work. Uh, we go back for 30 years and also going, uh, for some assets, we could go back far to 70 years. So we have a lot of data to work with. Uh, and But at, as the horizon gets longer, the amount of data we have, uh, uh, the sample decreases. And that means that uh, uh, for a CIO paying attention at one year, three year, and which is generally their rebalancing frequency or manager evaluation frequency are the timeframes uh, that we have on in, in our mind when we think of this particular tool. Well, it's super interesting. I can see how um, useful it is to, to CIOs who are examining um, some of these sensitivities and, and, and looking at the macroeconomic themes and the role of their real assets portfolios in that. So really appreciate you sharing your insights today, your very, very deep research and this framework that um, incorporates all of this. Harsh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. 